Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Today is April 11th. Yesterday, in the Senate Education Committee, a bill moved forward that would allow for a statewide vote on creation of term limits for school board members. If this were to move forward, voters would decide whether to require all school board members to leave their office after two four-year terms, take a break. They could come back again if they wanted to afterwards, run for re-election at that point, but they would need to leave after eight years. Today, we have Nick Tombolidis, the president and chairman of U.S. Term Limits, which is pushing for this measure using the phrase that we hear often, eight is enough. So I'm going to talk with him now about why they're in Florida pushing for school board term limits and talk with some of the issues about why this might be a good or a bad idea. So Nick, Tom Belides, welcome to the Gradebook Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Jeffrey. Happy to be on. I want to start off first by just asking why would the U.S. term limits movement focus on Florida school board members at this point? What is the attraction to that? Uh, so we actually uh, work on term limits all over the country at every level of government, um, from Congress all the way down to dog catcher. Um, and right now we actually have a movement underway to term limit Congress uh, using the power of state legislatures. So it's not that we're, t- we're entirely focused on school boards in Florida. It's just that this is an issue that's very near and dear to our heart because uh, most of the U.S. term limits team actually lives in Florida and we want government here in Florida to be more accountable, more transparent. Uh, we want more competitive elections. Um, so there seemed to be a, a great opportunity for this based on what happened at the Constitutional Revision Commission um, last year. You know, it, it was uh, kind of unfortunate what happened because the uh, the courts decided that Amendment 8 was, was not constitutional, but they were only focused on the school choice element of the amendment from last year. Uh, they didn't actually have any commentary about the eight-year term limits portion for school boards. That kind of got caught in the crossfire in a way. And, you know, we think the people of Florida actually deserve a chance to vote on that. Uh, We think the legislature should make things right and put it back on the ballot because 82% of voters want it. So that's why we're we're focused on it right now in Florida. When you say 82% of voters want it, what is that based on? Uh, That is actually based on a poll by McLaughlin and Associates. We've done uh, another poll that showed uh, 77% of voters want it, and there have been others. So the average is right in that range, but the strongest support level it's shown is 82% uh, in a McLaughlin Associates poll. What would be the reason for needing term limits? Just generally speaking, I hear a lot of people say elections are term limits. You can vote out anybody you want, anytime. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, people do say that, and I think, um, you know, in theory, that, that sounds nice, but the reality is that incumbent reelection rates are off the charts. Incumbents are getting reelected at staggeringly high ratios between 80 and 90 percent of the time. Um, You know, it's easier to unseat a 15 seat in March Madness than beat an incumbent. It is easier to beat a casino uh, than beat an incumbent. The game is fundamentally rigged in so many ways because of the money that incumbents are able to raise 
largely from developing these mutually uh, beneficial relationships with special interests. We're looking at a lot of the data on school boards. In 2018, about 85% of the school board incumbents were reelected. Um, 20% of them uh, had no opponent, meaning that the elections were just canceled because no one was willing to, willing to run against these incumbents uh, due to their strength. I don't think it's that no one had new ideas. Nobody really wanted to challenge them. It's just they knew that the institutional power of these incumbents was so strong that they wouldn't really have a chance. Um, so the idea is breaking up the power of incumbency and creating competitive open seat elections. You know, I'll share a little anecdote with you. When I first moved to Florida, one of the first things I did was I requested an absentee ballot. Um, I got the ballot in the mail, and I immediately noticed there was an error on it. So I called the Brevard Supervisor of Elections, and I said, you've made a mistake. There's no election on here for state house, but I know we have state house elections every two years. And she said, oh, no, that's no mistake. That election was canceled because no one was willing to run against the incumbent. And prior to getting term limits on our state legislature, we routinely had election years in which more than 50% of all the elections for the state legislature would be canceled due to no one willing to run. That's not real choice. When nobody else is on the ballot, when the election doesn't even appear on the ballot, you have no opportunity to vote out the incumbent. But isn't it true, um, though, that if a person wanted to run, they could just run? I mean, are you saying that they're too afraid to run? Uh, well, you have to remember that Six or seven dollars in special interest money, PAC money, campaign finance uh, in general go to incumbents for every one dollar that goes to a challenger, meaning sure they could run, but the deck is stacked against them. The incumbent has all the name recognition. Anytime the incumbent launches a new initiative, uh, they get to appear on their local television network. They get to appear in the newspaper. And so they're constantly kind of running this earned media campaign all the time. Um, and it's it's very difficult, if not impossible, for any challenger to catch up with that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the deck is just stacked against ordinary, well-intended people who want to participate in the process. There are barriers to entry for people who don't have that kind of political uh, network, uh, that well-oiled machine at the local level to help them get into office. It, it's really interesting. It's really interesting you say that because I know we sit here in Pinellas County where incumbents lost. And and even when in, say, Hillsborough County, when the incumbents left, there were people who were anticipated to be highly run candidates because they had been connected with the school district for a long time. They lost. And I, and I noticed that, you know, statewide you had 53 incumbents who didn't even seek another term. I mean, is that not good enough turnover? You want more turnover, basically? Well, what we saw was, I think, 75% of all the school board elections in 2018 had an incumbent running. And of those incumbents who ran, 85% of them were reelected. A significant portion were reelected with no opposition, meaning that the elections were canceled. There, Of course, there are instances in which incumbents do get unseated. But I think we have to be very careful not to use the exceptions to prove rules. I like to, I'm, I'm a data person. I like to look at data in the aggregate. On the aggregate, uh, incumbents are, are pretty invincible at the ballot box at nearly every level of government. And I think that's what we're trying to address here. The argument has come up that if you're going to go for term limits, why not go for 12 rather than eight? Because 12 sort of gives people a chance to really get their feet wet, have some experience and really accomplish something. 
and then go away, as opposed to eight, where sometimes people just start getting in a in a system like a school system where it's complicated and so forth to really get going. It's an interesting question. Um, and of course, we, we have also pulled this, and what we found is that by a margin of 84% to 10%, the people of Florida support an eight-year limit over a 12-year limit. Meaning, I think, in my personal belief, their view on that needs to be respected. But we support eight-year limits specifically because we've seen that it's the most time-tested and effective limit around the country. 36 governors have term limits that are all eight years or less. 15 state legislatures have them, mostly eight years or less. Nine of the 10 largest cities in America, same thing. And the 10th is coming up soon because the new mayor of Chicago wants eight-year term limits. And of course, the president uh, has an eight-year term limit. Most To most people, it is just an absurd notion that a school board member would need more time to learn their job than the leader of the free world. These are supposed to be positions for you know civically-minded people who want to serve and, and make a difference. It's not supposed to be a career. And I think if you just walked into a, a, a diner and you asked the average person, you know, does the school board member need more time to learn their jobs? It, it's, 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 it's absurd. Um, if you can't learn the job in eight years, then maybe you really shouldn't be in the job in the first place. And of course, uh, state legislators make the argument against eight years because they think it hasn't worked at the state level. Well, what do you mean it hasn't worked? We're one of the most uh, prosperous states in the country. We lead the country in, in migration. We're just rated the number one state in the country for fiscal health. We were rated the number one uh, freest state in the country. Um, everyone can see that Florida is um, is prospering economically, and I think the uh, the uh, policies that the state legislature has put forth have been a large part of that. So it, no one can argue, other than maybe a few lobbyists in Tallahassee, that term limits have hurt the system here in Florida, eight-year limits specifically. Maybe it's made life difficult for lobbyists uh, because they can't keep the same officials captured for decades and decades on end, but most people believe eight-year limits have served the state of Florida very well, and um, when it comes to school boards, the attitude is probably, why would you fix what's not broken? When you mention lobbyists, the idea comes to mind that I've heard from some people that the lobbyists kind of do control things because they stay for a long time while the lawmakers come and go. They write the legislation. They they fund the things that are going on. And so, I mean, is that not a downside to having termed out people who you know are leaving when you know you're staying? This is actually one of the most common myths about term limits uh, that we hear around the country. And um, the way that we have looked at this, the way that we've tested to see whether this is true is we followed the money. There have been hundreds of term limits campaigns all over the country, including right here in Florida. And in every single one of those campaigns, lobbyists and their clients are always contributing to whichever side is trying to either prevent, weaken, or abolish term limits. They're never on the pro-term limit side. And if it were true that lobbyists got stronger as a result of doing this, the opposite would be true. I've not had a single lobbyist ever walk into my office and say, I really want to help you get term limits done because it's going to give me more control over legislators. The opposite is true. Um, Jack Abramoff, the, one of the most infamous mega lobbyists in America who went to prison for corruption, he later wrote a book. It was kind of his mea culpa. And he said in the book that lobbyists almost universally 
hate term limits because a politician who stays in office for life, this is his exact quote, stays in office for life and is a friend is worth his weight in gold. They don't want to have to repurchase a new member every eight years. Makes Term limits make lobbyist jobs much more difficult because that job is all about relationships. It's all about networks. And, um, you know, I think look no, look no further than the campaign finance data on term limits campaigns to verify that. The people who look at this and say it's a good idea are suggesting also that maybe it's not gone far enough. If you're doing school boards, why not county commissions and sheriffs and all the other people who are out there? Is there a reason why school boards now and not all of them at once? Um, I'm, I'm obviously in favor of term limits on every position. Um, I think, you know, obviously we're, we didn't tell state legislators what to do. This was, this happened to get filed by, uh, two state lawmakers and we're, we're supportive of it. You know, we wouldn't say this is a, a bad bill because it doesn't include more offices. Looking forward to the future, I think we need to have a conversation in the state about whether those offices should be term limited. I certainly do favor it, but my guess is that the political appetite in Tallahassee was not strong enough to go for those additional offices as well at this time. And um, and that's okay. I just don't think we should rule it out for the future. I mean, just look at how hard this bill is to get through with a three-fifths majority. If you added more offices to it, that just creates more opposition, more entrenched opposition. It may have been politically impractical to do that this session. But obviously, I would, I would never rule it out. I think it's a great idea. And I'm sure the people of Florida would support it. How politically practical do you think it is to get this through the legislature? You mentioned the three-fifths majority needed, and it looks like you're sitting on a real edge, especially in the Senate, where it it looks like you're close, maybe, but not quite clear that there's a three-fifths majority there yet. Um, I think it's going to come down to a few factors. The first is, are legislators going to listen to their own voters. What we've seen so far in this process is it's gotten pretty consistent support from Republicans, um, but Democrats have been almost unanimously against it. It's been a little bit more bipartisan in the House, but in the Senate, there's only been one Democrat, uh, Senator Roussan, who's come out and supported it. That needs to change. Uh, we need to do more grassroots work to connect um, voters with their representatives because super majorities of citizens in every single party are for this. But it's an open question. Why is only the Democratic Party seemingly not listening to the voters? Um, you know, we've got there, there are national prominent Democrats who support term limits. Barack Obama supports term limits. He said it's a useful idea. He said it gives you fresh faces and ideas. Beto O'Rourke loves term limits. He was actually the co-founder of the Term Limits Caucus in Congress. So it's not that there aren't Democrats around the country who love term limits, but there really is a lack at, at, in Tallahassee. And, and the question is, when are they going to start listening to their own voters? And secondly, um, when are they going to stop making excuses, not just Democrats, but Republicans? Every uh, bit of opposition that I hear to this in the committee uh, it just seems like they're afraid to admit they don't like term limits. Obviously, asking legislators about term limits is like asking turkeys about Thanksgiving. They have a conflict of interest. They don't really like it. They've never liked it. Um, even though 90% of them use term limits to get into office, it wouldn't be there without it. But you'll notice no one who speaks against this in a committee ever speaks ill of term limits. Instead, they come up with these prepackaged talking points about kind of local control 
which which are complete nonsense. So what I want to have, I think if we have a real debate about the issue itself, term limits, is that good or bad for school boards? Are fresh ideas good or bad? Are competitive elections good or bad? And we'll be able to uh, marshal the support to get the three-fifths. Now, you spoke of the local control argument as nonsense. Now, that you're talking about the people who say that the people in Tallahassee or Leon County wouldn't necessarily vote the same way as the people in Miami-Dade County. And yet, because there are so many voters down in South Florida, they could control the decision for everyone. That's what you're talking about, right? Um, I'm talking about two facets of it. Uh, the first is that it's just it's not possible to do a local option. Um, it's not possible because 47 out of the 67 counties here don't have a charter. And when you don't have a charter, that means that the local government structure is decided by the state. And that means the local powers are prescribed by the lawmakers in Tallahassee. That's the whole point of not having a charter. Um, so the state capital is exactly where a decision like school board term limits would have to originate. On that point, there, uh, there's not really an argument. The non-charter counties don't have the initiative and referendum. You can't walk around with a clipboard in Dixie County, Calhoun County, Highlands County, and put this on the ballot. It's, just, it's not legal. Um, but then there's the argument about population centers deciding things for the rest of the state. We've heard that one as well. That's very bizarre to me because that applies to every state law. The voter-rich areas had more of an influence on legalizing marijuana. They had more of an influence on banning greyhounds. That's the way a state works. And, and if the, you don't like it, go form your own state or country. Maybe these guys want to bring back the country republic. I don't know. Um, but what's ironic is the same lobbyists who claim term limits should only be done locally, which is, again, impossible, they favor all kinds of other state mandates, mandates on guns, mandates on minimum wages. So there's really no logical consistency. The same argument they make against term limits, they'll walk down the hall 10 minutes later and say the exact opposite in a different committee. Is there any part of the argument that is not favorable towards um, term limits that you actually think makes sense at all? Or is that just a complete non-starter, nothing good there? Are you talking about local control or or the, the arguments people make against term limits? Just generally speaking, are there any parts of the anti-term limits debate that, you know, you go, hey, you know, there's a little nugget of that, that I I could see that. I don't necessarily agree with it, but yeah, at least it makes some degree of sense. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, And I I think there's an absolute kernel of truth in this idea that there are good public, there are some good public servants um, who serve a long time, whether it's Congress, school boards, whatever, they're not all bad. Now I happen to think that, um, you know, the, the really good ones are kind of a, a minority, and I think most people would agree with that. But it is true that with term limits, you do lose a few really good people. That's that's not um, arguable. Um, but most of those good guys actually happen to support this anyway because they would rather overhaul the entire system, make our elections more fair, bring down the barriers, give people more opportunities than just personally have the ability to stick around for a very long time. What's cool about uh, this bill, uh, HJR 229, SJR 274, is it's a consecutive term limit. So if there are people who have made a a real difference at the local level, they would have the opportunity to sit out and come back, meaning that some of that institutional knowledge uh, would be retained. If the voters really wanted them back, they could bring them back. 
if they sat out a term. I, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with me about this issue. I understand you have your own podcast that you do so that you can talk about you know, the term limits. Generally speaking, where would anybody who wants to learn more go to find that? Sure, you can go on iTunes or Stitcher. We just launched this. It is the No Uncertain Terms podcast, and it really focuses on uh, the movement as a whole, what's going on all over the country. Uh, Florida school boards are in the news right now, so there is a lot of focus on that, and you will hear our, our take, our analysis on it. But if you also want uh, to know what's going on with term limits for Congress and many other offices, that's the place where you'll find it. Well, again, thanks, Nick, for taking some time to talk with me, and I hope we get a chance to talk again soon as I anticipate there will be an election coming up in about a year. <laughs> Hopefully. Thanks, Jeffrey. That's the end of our interview and the end of our podcast. If you would like to participate in this conversation, we'd like to see what you have to say. Make your comments on our Facebook page underneath the post of this podcast. Our Facebook page is for Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. To keep up on the latest in Florida education breaking news, please visit the Gradebook blog, www.tampabay.com gradebook. We always like to hear from you on what you think about this podcast, so please send us an email with your thoughts on what you'd like to hear about, maybe who you'd like to hear from. Maybe if you'd like to, you can leave a review on iTunes, share with your friends. We'd like to reach as many people as possible. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening. 